T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, welcome to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Femi Redwood. Despite the United States being a few hundred years old, it's still having a series of firsts. First black this, first black that. Same for New York City. It's now seeing its first black woman as the police commissioner, its first black woman as city council speaker, Manhattan has its first black district attorney, and while Eric Adams isn't the city's first black mayor, he's only the second only two in New York City's history really isn't anything to brag about, so he is a part of this list as well. Interesting comparison, when you consider going back as early as the 1600s in New York City, black folks had no power, not in politics, not in policing, not in anything. On the surface level, that alone feels like a massive change. Black folks went from laws dictating how they live their lives to black folks now having the power to change or influence laws. But this begs the question, will the recent elections and nominations of black folks in various positions of power create a more equitable New York City or more of the same? So hang out with me for 30 minutes and let's dig into it. We are exploring New York City's history, including some of those laws I just mentioned. We're going to talk to one of those first, and we're going to talk to racial justice activists. Spoiler alert, they don't agree. The power structure in New York City has gone through a series of changes throughout time. Indigenous people governed themselves for thousands of years. In 1624, Dutch colonizers arrived. Within two years, enslaved Africans were building the city's infrastructure. They cleared and widened Broadway, which was an indigenous trail. They built municipal buildings, and they made land fortifications like the wall that later became Wall Street. A black community developed in what is now Soho and Greenwich Village. It was called Land of the Blacks. People who lived in Land of the Blacks, which I get it, hundreds of years ago, language was very different, but it's super weird to call a place Land of the Blacks in 2022, but I digress. Black people who lived there had what was known as half freedom. They had some rights, like being able to own land, but they could be forced to return to slavery. And even if both parents were half free, their children were born enslaved. 
The Dutch gave them this land, but they weren't being super altruistic. But so the black community could be the buffer zone between colonizers and indigenous people. Property and land of the blacks could be passed down, but in 1664, the British took over, and that eventually ended. slavery was much more restrictive under British rule. For example, one law stated enslaved people couldn't meet in groups larger than three. In 1776, America became independent, and states had to decide what to do about slavery. The modern belief that New York was totally against slavery is completely false. Bankers, insurance companies, and people all got rich off the horrible institution, and many in power fought to keep it. New York was the second to the last northern state to abolish slavery. New Jersey was the last. When New York did free enslaved people, it was a gradual process between 1799 and 1827. One group would become free, and then another, and so forth. Because, you know, freedom should be served like tapas, one at a time. Most people were freed by 1827. Free, but not safe. The most active part of African American history. Meet Cal Jones. Even though I will... 92 years old, he's the Manhattan Borough Historian Emeritus. He knows history. Really starts the act. So I'm going to Some of it he's lived, the rest he's researched. Like the Kidnapping Club. Around 1827, you had what you call the Kidnap Club. Have you ever heard of them? No, that sounds awful. Well, the Kidnap Club existed here in New York, and it was made up of judges, lawyers, and police. And they were snatching blacks off the streets of New York and selling them into slavery in other states. And it was made up of judges, lawyers, and police in New York City. And they would kidnap free men in New York City, and sell them into slavery. Abolitionists in the 1800s described the fear black New Yorkers had knowing free men, women, and children could be kidnapped from everything and everyone they knew to be sold to a plantation owner. One of the figureheads in this kidnapping club was a judge named Richard Riker. Historians say he abused his power and the Fugitive Slave Act to send free black people to the South to be enslaved, oftentimes without their loved ones even realizing what happened. Historians say black community members asked the mayor for help, but considering this kidnapping ring was made up of law and order types, it goes without saying that police and the mayor provided little to no assistance. Black folks in New York also had to live under black codes. Black codes were put into existence to limit the black freedom. Black codes were mostly in the South, but Northern states had them too. Some of what was in the code was restricted labor and activities of blacks. One black code prevented black men from voting unless they owned property worth $250. This was on the books for nearly 50 years until 1870. One of the few black men who was eligible to vote was Andrew Williams. Andrew Williams was the first black man to purchase property in Seneca Village. And he purchased three lots for $120. In 1825, Andrew bought land in Seneca Village and built his home. Seneca Village was largely a black community in what is now known as Central Park. 
Cal says it's unclear if Andrew did vote, but he could have. Now, although Andrew owned property, he still lacked power like other black people. He worked as a shoe shiner and a cart man, someone who pushed carts to sell food. At that time, blacks could not obtain licenses for carts. But Andrew Williams had a neighbor named Rogers. That neighbor was Patrick Rogers. He was Irish, and Irish people were allowed to get cart licenses. Patrick rented in Seneca Village near Andrew. Cal says Patrick would lend his cart license to Andrew, and this indicates they were really good friends. And that friendship continued even after they were both forced to leave Seneca Village when the city used eminent domain and turned it into a park. Andrew took that money from the city and bought again in Queens. So you could see these people had a vision for the future. And they recognized the importance of owning land, not just voting, but it was a way in order to pass on wealth. After the Civil War, New York goes through a few more changes. Black communities are forced further north, where Harlem becomes a mecca for black America. The neighborhood also builds its political power through figures like Adam Clayton Powell Jr. and New York City's first black mayor, David Dinkins. I had been borough president, and I had wonderful, wonderful people who worked with me. Women and men, bright, young, honest, and many of these same people and others came with me into City Hall. Dinkins was elected in 1990. Cal, who's had various positions within the city, knew Dinkins well. He was a nice guy. Decent, you know, why can't we all get along? You know, he didn't upset anything. And he tried to play the game the way those days they said it should be played. But the why can't we all get along thing clearly didn't work. Even things that we got accomplished we wish we had been able to do sooner or better. In 1992, Mayor Dinkins wanted to improve police oversight. He was pushing a bill that would change the composition of the board that examines police misconduct. Instead of being half police, half civilian, Dinkins wanted it to be all civilian and completely independent from the NYPD. In response, thousands of NYPD officers held a riot outside of City Hall. There were lots of N-words being used. They said Mayor Dinkins was on crack and called him a washroom attendant. Because, you know, racism alone isn't enough. Let's throw in some classism. Reports from that day said the police who were called in to stop the riot did nothing. And in some cases, the on-duty officers even encouraged it. And in the middle of the crowd, as cars were being vandalized, stood Rudy Giuliani. The morale of the police department of the city of New York is so low is one reason and one reason alone, David Dinkins! With a bullhorn in his hand, egging it on. And he was out there and he got the cops all riled up. I mean, they had a real problem within the police department with racism. What's ironic is that Dinkins wanted oversight because there was this national conversation about racism in policing. This was after the police beating of Rodney King. But for these thousands of white police officers, when the community asked for fairness and equality, they responded with racism. This man, the now deceased Mayor Dinkins, had one of the most powerful positions in New York City. But despite that, in those ugly hours, his power meant nothing. 
What's also ironic is there was a black 32-year-old transit police officer watching this happen to the city's first black mayor by people who were supposed to be his brothers in blue. That man went on to be the city's second black mayor. I, Eric Adams, do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. I will faithfully. I will faithfully discharge the duties. Discharge the duties of the office of the office of the mayor of the city of New York. Of the mayor of the city of New York. This is Beyond Black History Month. We'll be right back. If you enjoy learning about Chicago culture and history, WBBM's newest podcast, Shades of the City, is for you. Join me as I go into the community to hear about the history of the Pullman Company that created opportunities for African Americans in the late 1860s. One of the major contributors to the development of Bronzeville, as an example, was the role of the Pullman Partners. Subscribe now to Shades of the City on the Odyssey app and Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Femi Redwood. We have to end all of this division of who we are, where we go to Russia, what do we wear. No, today we take off the intramural jersey and we put on one jersey, Team New York. As Mayor Adams took office, there were a lot of op-eds and news stories about what impact he would have on New York City. The expectation for many was that Mayor Adams, along with those first we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, would use their power to chip away at some of the racial disparities in New York City. Incarceration rates, affordable housing, health care inequality, really everything. Adrian Adams, who is not related to the mayor, is one of those first. The Queens Democrat is the first black woman to become the city council speaker. It's very bittersweet still saying first when it comes to being Black or being Latino or being Asian. There are just a whole lot of firsts right now in the council, myself included. But in the year 2022, I would think that it would be a little off-putting for New York. Maybe that's the wrong word, but for New Yorkers to still be saying, we've got the first. When Speaker Adams began working in politics, one of the first things she noticed was a funding disparity between nonprofits in Black neighborhoods versus wealthier and whiter ones. Our greatest challenge for me and for my colleagues is equity across the board for our constituents, for the people of New York, equity in education, equity in health care, equity in youth services, equity for elders, you name it. There has to be equity for the communities that have been underserved for far too long, underrepresented and just left to the side. She's leaning into the positive and believes the city will see change. One reason, the record amount of women on the city council, 31 of 51 seats. This is the first time that we've had a majority of women on the New York City Council and women governed very, very differently. We're going to see more efforts put in the way of education and the way of child care. We're going to take a harder look at Black maternal morbidity across the city. We also have some serious issues that we have to look at when it comes to the NYPD and their special victims unit. Bittersweet, yet still positive about all these firsts, but some advocates aren't as hopeful. 
Brotherhood Sister Soul is a comprehensive... Kari Lazar White is the co-founder and executive director of Brotherhood Sister Soul. That's a social justice organization that educates and trains young people to shape them into community leaders. Kari says black people have been elected to run cities and states for a long time. Racism does not end. Economic inequality does not end because we have a black or brown person elected. Oftentimes it doesn't even transform. So... The fact that we have black people being elected to senior positions doesn't stop the fact that a third of all New Yorkers live in poverty or near the poverty line. And obviously we know the issues of poverty and race are deeply interconnected and intertwined. We know that black and brown populations in the city still remain in suffocating airtight pockets of poverty and economic exploitation. He says black people in positions of power does not change the immediate reality of marginalized people, especially those in the criminal justice system. According to data from the Center of Media, Crime and Justice at John Jay College, more than 25% of black men are incarcerated before the age of 38. For white men, that number is only 3%. The report also found that those who are impoverished are up to 50% more likely to be incarcerated when compared to those who are not. So while we can certainly celebrate the election of a Tish James to the Attorney General, position on a statewide level and the groundbreaking election that that is for black people and for women, that doesn't change the inequality of the criminal justice system. The stain that Rikers Island is, the fact that black and brown people are still prosecuted disproportionately, incarcerated disproportionately because they are black and brown and low income. That doesn't change just because Tish James was elected or because Alvin Bragg was elected. And so we have to be able to, yes, see advancements and celebrate that. But on the other hand, realize that unfortunately we live in a deeply unequal country, state and city, and those realities continue. He says young people, not elected officials, will drive change. Young people have always been at the forefront of movements for social justice. Brotherhood Sister Soul is producing the next generation of activists out of Harlem, like 18-year-old Matthew De La Cruz. My main goal is, is to really try to get rid of the school prison pipeline and, you know, try to make it better for all kids around the country. Matthew's young, not even old enough to drink, but his age doesn't prevent him from understanding how disparities hurt black and brown communities. I think the biggest change would be more affordable housing for people who can't really keep up with the cost of living in New York City. It's not fair that someone should be paying almost $3,000 for a one bedroom apartment when the rent should really be a lot lower. Just because all these people, rich people at Wall Street can pay it doesn't mean everyone in New York can. What about the blue collar workers who make sure the trains are working? He's enthusiastic, but Kari says that's still no match for time. New York City is essentially a country. Its budget's $100 billion. New York City's budget is larger than every state budget in the country, except for two, the state of California and the state of New York. It's larger than many nations around the world. It's 9 million people. So these issues we face here are issues that will take, unfortunately, years, decades, generations to transform. It's about having large numbers of people committed to that transformation, criminal justice, education, housing. You know, these are issues that will not change in a few years or within one administration. It's going to take the leaning in of large numbers of people to see these as moral issues and ethical issues of our time inadequate housing, poor schooling, the criminal justice system. Tradition is something old and if the world really wants to move forward, we have to free ourselves from that and keep moving.
So maybe that's the answer to my question. Maybe each election cycle, there will be a new round of leaders who chip away at the disparities. But at the same time, so much of history seems to have repeating themes and frankly, the same conversations. New York City does not have the type of voter suppression we see in other cities and states, but that can't be ignored considering it impacts federal laws and dollars, which of course affects us here in the city. It also can't be ignored how it feels eerily similar to the laws in the 1800s that prevented black men from being able to vote. The 1992 NYPD riot was set off because the mayor asked for police accountability. Just like social justice protesters who were asking for the same thing in 2020. The judge, Richard Riker, abused the laws in the 1800s to send free black people into slavery. And today, data shows sentencing judges often give harsher sentences to black people convicted of crimes when compared to white people with similar records and charges. Oh, and that judge, Richard Riker? Rikers Island was named after his family. So there's that. Thanks for listening to Beyond Black History Month. If you expected this episode to end with a bow at the bottom, sorry, no bow. But if you like the series, hit the subscribe button. Beyond Black History Month is a production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Special thanks to our producers, Dempsey Pilat, Rabia Gersoy, and Andy Egan Thorpe. Our executive producer is Ivan Lee. The WCBS News Radio 880 brand manager is Tim Schaud. Ben Meverack is the 1010 Wins brand manager. And I'm Fami Redwood. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.